Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Brett, I don't even know where to start with last week's games because I feel like we've talked about those games at multiple points throughout this entire season. Yeah, the teams are different. The scores are different. But the games themselves, I've seen them already. I, I do feel like our games and the issues we see and the things we want to talk about, it's kind of like a Mad Libs of Arizona basketball where it's <laughs> fill in this adjective or this, you know, lesson that needed to be learned that wasn't applied here or this problem. And it's, you know, a rotation of the same three to six things, just not necessarily all in the same game in the same combination. Yeah. And that's, you know, pick your, choose your own adventure of how we want to lose this week. Yeah. I wouldn't have chosen either of these if I had a choice, but clearly none of us did. Arizona started with USC and Arizona had beaten the Trojans already this season in McHale Center. And I think the question for every one of us going to this game was how would they respond after the Oregon loss? Because that was a game that Arizona should have won, played well enough to win, but choked away at the end, as they've done so often this year. How would they come out against USC, who's a talented team, but one who's not as talented as Arizona? You find out that Josh Green didn't make the trip to L.A. And you find out right before tip-off that Max Hazard's not going to play in that game. And you're like, okay, that's going to make things tougher. Let's see what they do. And Arizona got off to an okay start, but they couldn't even sustain okay, and it fell apart. If you're just going to jack up a bunch of threes, you better make them. (laughs) You know, and they were not. Ended up losing that game 57-48. It was as ugly as that score indicates, other than Arizona was in it for most of the game. It got away from them in the last four or five minutes or so, but they were competitive which isn't something to be excited about because Arizona should not be competitive with USC. They should be better than USC. Yeah, so I was actually unable to watch either game live, which watching them on DVR, knowing the outcome, kind of gave me, I would like to think, a little bit more balanced opinion or a little little less emotional with ups and downs. It takes the emotion out of it, yeah. You know, and you know, like... You know, watching, knowing how the outcomes were, and some of them, I was like, "Boy, how did this go so sideways?" And it's like, "Oh, there's it is, there it is." Once we get to the last couple minutes of the UCLA game, but you know, the USC game, it was interesting too because you said mentioned they got off to a decent start. Actually, those I I made a mental note when I was watching it the fir- before that you know that first four minutes or whatever mm-hmm. is before the first TV timeout. They were doing the things that we've talked about them wanting to do. They were they were you know focused. They were high energy. They were playing decent defense. They were being more aggressive and trying to get better shot selection, not just jacking threes. And I made a mental note of it at the time, and I think it was about right just around that, you know, four or five minutes in, they were up, and then somebody, I forget their point guard, I think stole the the inbounds pass after they scored, and then that seemed to, like, throw the team, and it went downhill from there. Um, And I texted you uh, when I was watching it after the fact, and I was – I, I mean, basically, I think I forget what exactly I said, but I was like, I think I'm going to come in hard on Nico. Very similar. I could pull up the text, <laughs> but something like that. And come in with a fire take. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready for it because Arizona, that game, Nico Manion wasn't the only player who struggled for Arizona. No, but right? he was 
awful. He was very bad. Arizona's all shot three of 26 from three-point range. So, again, if you're going to shoot threes, which you you may have to win games that way, but you have to make more than three out of your 26. Arizona was 13 of 15 from the free-throw line. If they would have shot like that against Oregon, they would have beat the Ducks. But, yeah, Nico Mannion, 11 points, three of 14 from the field. Zeke Naji, 15 points. He was five of 13 from the field. He did have 10 rebounds. No one else from Arizona was in double digits. It was ugly, but certainly Nico Mannion, who's kind of the the lightning rod player for this team. Like a lot of people get down on Dylan Smith, fine. But when it comes to Nico Mannion, it's like he was supposed to be really good and he was really bad in that game. So when you said you were going to come in hard on him, I'm like, yeah, okay, bring it. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to stop you because there's no way to look at that game from Nico Mannion and say, he played well. He was awful. Well, and not you you mentioned all the stats and the offensive stats and Yes, and he played the most minutes of anybody on the Arizona team in 37 minutes, took horrible shots, missed a lot of shots, had a bad assist-to-turnover ratio, only two assists. You know, But not even that. The thing that really stuck out to me, and I think even one point the commentators t- noted it when there was like a, a fast break on a turnover and like Nico Mannion got out of the way. He was I, I zeroed in watching him. And he was actively disengaged on defense and like not, you know, doing the old shot goes up, just stand there and watch it. Shout out to the announcer from a couple months back. And basically it was just like, you know, if you want to be at some point, the hype has to it has to be met. And of course, and I was that's and (laughs) my my hot take was going to be they were not better with him on the court in that game. Right. Because he was not contributing offensively, defensively. Or other, or even a leadership sense in terms of helping dictate the game flow, helping get you know facilitate the offense for other players, not taking good shots for himself, not being aggressive, playing you know he improved a bit on defense and he was awful defense, not you know not even going for rebounds, like not trying, not even trying to di- di- to uh, disrupt that one fast break, like literally running out of the way. Um, and so I don't want to harp too much on that because then like right. we'll if get we to recorded in the UCLA this show game. on Friday. The perspective would be different. But also, just the one thing I'd push back is, like, Nico wasn't good. I'm not going to defend him here. But no one was good. You say they weren't better with him on the court. They weren't good with Baker either. Dylan Smith was awful. Stone Gettings wasn't really impactful. Ira Lee wasn't great. But Zeke shot made fewer than half his shots. Like, no one was good. But Nico is supposed to be the type of player who can elevate the team, who should make it easier for everyone else. As the point guard, as a five-star, first-round pick, lottery pick point guard, He's supposed to make it easy on everyone else. And mm-hmm. when his shot hasn't been there, and it hasn't been for most of the season, because up until the UCLA game, spoiler alert, he was good against the Bruins. But when his shot hasn't been there, has he been able to impact the game and make it easy for everyone else? And in that game where you had no Josh Green, which was unfortunate because he's one of your better players, he had been playing well. You have no Max Hazard, who's another guard off the bench, who in a game like that, maybe you can use him. He gets hot, and he can carry you through there and take some load off Nico Mannion. They weren't available. Fine. You need to step up. And that's the adversity that this team, It's they haven't dealt with too much in the way of injuries this season. Like, they lost Chase Jeter, okay, for a little bit, but they clearly moved on from that. Stone Gettings was hurt for a little bit, too. They, for the most part, survived those big injuries for these guys, and yet here was a chance for them to step up, and no one stepped up. So, Nico, sure, you expect him to, you need him to, but no one on that team took it on their shoulders and said, I'm going to carry the Wildcats to a win here. And, again, they were competitive. It was within five points most of the game until the end. It got away from them. And that just looked like a team that at some point was like, yeah, we just don't have it. We're not going to win this game, whatever. You know, which you don't want to see them quit on a game like that. But 
you could watch it towards the end. It's like, yeah, they're not coming back in this game. They don't have anything going for them. I think there was like an alley-oop that Zeke Naji missed or something in that game. And it's like, these are things that are happening. You're just not good tonight. The whole team was bad, which sure. was, was disappointing. It wasn't upsetting to me. Well, it the, was disappointing. The thing that upset me and where I was going to come with the fire take on Nico for that game was the disengagement and the lack of you know, fire on defense. And What do you put that on, though? Because they're coming off a loss. He's a five-star player. He's a future NBA draft pick. They're coming off that loss, and it's like you'd think they'd be focused, and especially without Josh Green, he'd be like, okay, this is – I need to get going. And it wasn't just Nico. The whole team wasn't really there, but Nico's going to be the focal point because on the floor of all the players that were there, he's the highest-profile player, and he's also the point guard. He's also got the ball in his yeah. hands. So I get that he's the focal point here of your ire, but I'm curious because this team has done a good job of bouncing back from losses this season. Other than the Oregon State game where they just got destroyed coming off that, that hangover from Oregon, they've done a good job, especially their home losses. They've been pretty good on the road. And, yeah, for them to be as disengaged as they were, I wonder what you attribute that to. Do you, do you even have an idea? Because I don't. I, I, I mean, part of it is that, and we raised a few, you know, in our Mad Libs form of a season, there's just not an on-court leader on this team. And if there is one, it's the it's it's Zeke Naji, but he leads by example more than I feel like vocal leadership. And at the end of the day, somebody has to get him the ball in order for him to dictate the flow of the offense. And if he's not the one getting the ball, he can't do that. And I don't think he's the defensive force that he, just by phys- his sheer physical you know development yeah. at this point. Um, but you know, I think he shows that that intensity even going for rebounds like the fact that he gets so many rebounds it's it's all effort it's not his oh, yeah. it's I mean, not he's his got good str- size though yeah but it's not you know he's not a freak athlete in terms of high d1 uh big man right he's not deandre ayton in terms of size and athletic ability uh he but he has he has a lot of damn heart and it shows up right and that's where the thing where i my my fire take on nico for that game wasn't just the the bad the badness on offense uh, it was that, you know, gosh, if you're not gonna, if you're not, if the shots aren't falling, you're not, and you're taking good shots, that's one thing. Like if you miss that dunk on a lob, you know, well, damn it. <laughs> Pretty much, like good play, <laughs> just didn't finish. And and you know, imagine that. So that you know, but that's them being aggressive too. Then and that's a good shot in that yeah. moment. Uh, and if the shots aren't falling, you're taking good shots. That's one thing. If you're playing intense, high high intensity defense. Uh, and they're Sam Deckering you hitting fadeaway threes while you're playing great defense. You know what? I don't feel I don't have the fire take from that. Um, and that to me is the difference between the two games this weekend because I actually feel like in the second game there was a there was a lot more of what we wanted to see coming out. It's just a matter of whoops, I tripped over my own feet and dribbled the ball out of bounds. <laughs> yeah, nice segue to the UCLA game, by the way. <laughs> uh, and that that was interesting because UCLA has, is the hottest team in the Pac-12. Right now, and just a couple weeks ago, they went to McHale and beat up on the Wildcats. And it was interesting because, okay, Arizona just got destroyed by USC with no Josh Green. Well, he wasn't going to be there at Poly Pavilion either. How was this team going to look? And Arizona, as is true to their form this season, looked good. They played well. They were leading for most of that game. Nico Manning, of course, had his best game of the season, which probably threw some cold water on that hot take of yours with him. Because it's like, yeah, if we recorded Friday... Nico, what you know? What the hell, man? We record after the game Saturday. It's like, man, you you played great, and <laughs> this was the game that if he 
and it's not that he didn't. I don't know if he didn't try to play well on Thursday. Obviously, these guys are trying to play well, make shots and everything. But if he plays like this against the Trojans, Arizona probably wins that game because he becomes that star player that they needed. Because Josh Green didn't play in this game, Max Hazard did a little bit, but everything fed off of Nico. And to the extent that Arizona lost this game, by the way, sixty nine sixty four, so they didn't win this game. But we saw what can happen when he plays well. That it raises the game of everyone else around and makes everything that much easier for his teammates. And unfortunately, we know Sean Mill got kicked out of this game with like 12 minutes left, his second technical foul. He was not happy with the mm-hmm. officiating. And we could talk about that a little bit. The free throws are not a good barometer of how the refs were. Just because one team shoots twice as many free throws doesn't mean it was bad, right? The other team sure. could have got fouled twice as many times. But there were certainly some instances in this game where fouls that normally would be called or wouldn't be called were called. It certainly tilted towards UCLA. Fine. They were the home team in a big game. Arizona gets that kind of attention, that kind of favorability at McHale Center quite often. Even with that, Arizona wins this game if Arizona doesn't Arizona this game. And by that, I mean trip over their feet the entire last few or the last few minutes and find a way to lose, which is what happened. Yeah, so... Again, this is where coming in after the fact and having seen all of the, you know, following the game basically on Twitter and, and seeing the commentary from from our, our favorite accounts that we follow. Are you saying Twitter is not a good judge for how a game is going? Well, no, I, so I if you can't trust Twitter, Brett, who <laughs> oh, can you gosh. trust? Certainly not Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, oh, I see there's a lot of people complaining about the calls. And it's like, I'm sure there's missed calls because Pac-12 referees, yeah college basketball referees in general are a challenge and yeah um so let me let me kind of unpack all of that in a in a when i came into looking at it big picture i actually felt much better about that game in its entirety right oh, and, I and i and i i i it actually put me in a better mood as and maybe it's actually watching it while already knowing what the outcome is um also how drunk were you when I was watching it yeah. or when I was not watching it live. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say when you were watching it because I always feel better about things that way too. I was pretty, I was, I was uh, sober. I had a, oh, wow. I, was, I was in Vegas and then went straight into a music festival. So, so you, I was, I was having a day or two off. You watched the loss sober and felt better about things. Yeah. They must've played pretty well. Yeah. So, you know, the things that I'm, the things that we talk about that we want to see, I feel like I saw that a lot in the UCLA game. And, in in terms of the, the officiating, it's like, here's my perspective on it. Were the officials bad? Yes. Were there bad calls in both directions? Yes. Were there more impactful and disproportionately bad calls that hurt U, U of A's chances to win? Yes. Should U of A still have been able to overcome that and win without, you know, blowing the game at the end? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and like, the funny thing was, Sean Miller got tossed and he was losing his... He wanted to get tossed, though. Oh, you but could like, tell. Even the first technical, he was losing it over something that was not necessarily a bad call. It looked bad. It was close. And from his but, angle, yeah. you could see why but he I, thought. I understand it where you're like kind of defending your player that lands hard. You know, To some extent, I almost want... Got a steal after a bucket and was making a play. Yeah, and, to some yeah. extent, you almost want your coach to maybe be a little bit irrationally defensive of his guys um, to some extent to protect mm-hmm. them. Um, or I wonder what he said on the second tech. <laughs> Throw me out. Maybe. <laughs> uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, by the way, and Sean Miller had his press conference, and he just basically said he regretted getting throwing out that first time in his career he got kicked out of a game and that it cost his team points, and he wished he would have been there for the you know for the last 12 minutes of the game, but he also didn't want to expand on what he had said yeah. because he didn't want to get fined <laughs> or suspended or all those things. So 
We don't know what he said. <laughs> Clearly, it wasn't. He wasn't like Tony Padilla was not happy with him, and Sean Murray was not happy with Padilla and that officiating crew. Just for the raw numbers, which is what people get upset about. Arizona was ten of sixteen from the free throw line, not great. UCLA was twenty nine of thirty eight. So UCLA made thirteen more free throws, and Arizona attempted attempted twice as many, more than twice as many. So, for to your point. And kind of what I was saying, too, I don't blame the officials for why Arizona lost this game. Certainly they did Arizona no favors because Arizona was going inside. They were playing. It wasn't like they were just shooting up threes the entire game. The calls could have been a little bit more even. Well, so but I, even with all that, Arizona should have won the game. So can I – Here's the, you, you cited the free throws, and this is where I maybe have a little bit different perspective and having watched it, knowing the outcome, and knowing where things are maybe flipping. Free throws are a way to look at it. And I think Richard Jefferson, the commentator, even noted it during the game. The there's, I mean, the funny thing was m- there were more missed calls, in my opinion, after Sean Miller got tossed than before. Yeah. Uh, in watching it, in in and being able to rewind and kind of go back and look at them. Um, you know what foul is the most important one that, in the long term, but it's hard to measure impact of the game. The third foul on Zeke Naji, mm-hmm. where the guy did the spin move and like it's. Richard Jefferson was like that, and because the, then what, the next time down the floor it was the loose ball fl- foul with Zeke Naji, and that was now his fourth foul. And even that one, you could be like, that's a tough one. That's, it, but that's not as tough if it's his third compared to his fourth. And then he sits for eight minutes. Right. Oh, and then that's thing. Like I point out free throws. Arizona, Zeke Naji finished with four fouls. He played thirty-one minutes. Dylan Smith fouled out after thirty-two minutes. Stone Gettings had four fouls in twenty-three minutes. Well, uh, Christian Coloco, who's never fouled anybody. Had four fouls in 20 minutes. His, or Christian, 18 minutes. Christian Coloco should be assessed a technical foul for being a better human being than all of us. He got thrown away just put his court. hands up to try to post up, and the, and guy, the guy ran guy. into him, and he got the foul. <laughs> the they looked to see it was a flagrant. I hope they looked at the replay and were like, yep, we missed that one, but we can't take it back. <laughs> how, d- how dare you? I think you? that's the one that got Sean Miller really going. Before. That was yeah. the one that happened right before he got ejected. How dare no, you I enter think. his domain? You deserve what you get. What's the, the it's Simpsons line. I'm going to walk this way, moving my hands, and if, if you happen to get in the way, it's, it's your fault. fault. Like, But no, we don't need to spend a ton of time on the officiating. It, it certainly well, doesn't look good in the one box. More, one, one more thing, more thing. On go for it. Because like, after that Zeke Naji fourth foul, very quickly, the one of the other worst foul calls was Stone Getting's fourth foul was a phantom fourth foul call. And then it's like, oh, there's your two power forwards. That yeah, are, you're, when you're, and like, if you lose those guys for eight minutes in the second half... That has more of an impact than the free throw. And, and that's the thing we'll never be able to tell, right? Free throws, it's a box score thing. It's sure. tangible, right there, like you said. We don't know if Zeke Naji's on the floor for another five minutes that game or Stone Gang's another it's, ten it's minutes, impossible to how know. it goes. But even with all that, and I think this is why you probably felt, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the reason why you felt so good after watching this game, even knowing what happened, was that even with all that was working against Arizona, foul trouble. Their coach getting ejected halfway through the second half. They should have won this game. Like the thing is, we've seen this movie before, where Arizona had, I think it was like a four-point lead with a couple minutes left, and they choked it away. You had a Stone Gettings turnover trying. He'd made a nice move, decided to throw one to Zeke. He missed him. Getting should have shot. You have Dylan Smith stepping out of bounds under the baseline. You have missed shots. You have Max, Max Hazard, Hazard dribbling off one off his foot. his foot. Just Arizona can found again found ways to lose these games and. You could say, well, like Jack Murphy was coaching, but I don't blame him. Like, they know what their offense is. Like, Sean Miller not being there probably doesn't make them any better in that situation because we've seen the rest of the season. It hasn't made them better in those situations. 
But Arizona did everything they could, despite all the things that went against them, except for make the plays to win the game. And credit to UCLA, they made shots. But Arizona, UCLA didn't force those turnovers. You know, every one of those turnovers was Arizona messing up. And it took all of them to cause this loss. But at the end of the day, this is, again, Arizona, a game they should have won. UCLA is playing well. They're getting closer and closer to that tournament bubble. It was in Poly Pavilion without one of your starters. And they couldn't close the deal. So I want to zoom in on those last, like, three minutes where they kind of blew the game, right? First of all, I think that was also when, you know, not to make, like, gosh, we just had bad luck. But remember, Hawkes was getting the ball stolen from him somehow grabbed it through a sideways fadeaway running that goes in and it's like that doesn't well, help either that's but. like the three quarters court shot at the end of the first half against usc that yeah. way and like but uh th- so that you mentioned a couple of the plays and you mentioned jack murphy so i want to kind of comment on a couple i of like things. murph though he's he's one of my favorite people yeah and he I knew tried him in college so and he and he tried to oh look at adam flexing yeah. on who he knows. Um, <laughs> I, I should have maintained that friendship i messed up Jack, come on the pod with us. <laughs> oh, believe me, I've tried. Oh. Um, so oh, that there, there's, I want to look at like that Max Hazard turnover and those Dylan Smith turnovers, and look at those two. There, because to me, those are two different things with two different, like, yeah, okay, screw ups, right? Like Max Hazard one was th- that one. I almost feel like was on uh, Murphy more than Hazard to some extent. Like Hazard's the guy that turns the ball over. But the thing that I was thinking watching that at the end. Nico was having a great game. He was making good decisions. He was being aggressive so on offense. So why is the ball not in his hands? Yes. And he literally went and handed the ball off to Max Hazard. And, like, what What are we doing here? Like, this – Max Hazard is a great shooter, but, like, he's not the ball hander. You should be running a pick and roll and well, having him spot He can't handle up. the ball. He shouldn't be driven the ball off his foot. Is that your best chance to win? I think I was. I think Arizona was down two or three at the time. I, f- I forget off the top of my head. Um, um, but is it your best chance to win? I, clearly it wasn't. But it's almost <laughs> like if Max Hazard takes it, because it's kind of like the play at the end of the Oregon game where they thought they were going to hand it off to Nico and instead Josh Green turns around. That play worked except he missed the free throws. Maybe you're expecting Nico Mayne to be the guy and now Max Hazard who has a better matchup, who's quick, who has a really good shot. Maybe. I'm not, because if it, if it works, right? If, if Max Hazard doesn't dribble off his foot, he turns around and makes a shot. It's, hey, what a great play design. Or maybe it wasn't even for Max Hazard to shoot. It was to help set up Nico. We don't know what the play was think, because he dribbled yeah. it off his foot. And I think they were trying to be too cute by setting up a play that takes 20 seconds to develop when you're in a late game situation. How many NBA teams run complex plays at the end of you know the game when they're trying to get a shot? No, it's... Run pick and rolls and maybe slight. Arizona was down two at the time. Yeah. By the way, they were down two. So you know that on Max Hazard and and Murphy maybe because Nico Mannion literally hands off the ball your best ball handler and is running the opposite direction. I know you're trying to set something up, and we don't know what it was. But that's because <laughs> he dribbled it off his foot. But that's that's the inherent risk of taking the ball out of one of your best ball handlers. And and there was other times there even when they were going against the press and setting up the offense where he Nico handed the ball off to. Um, like Jamal Baker, and it's like, I, I, uh, I... Do you think maybe part of why Nico had such a good game was because he didn't have it all on his shoulders offensively? I think they Nico were had a good like ga- that. I think Nico had a good game because he was playing angry. Maybe. Because I, I think too often Nico is the guy that likes to win and doesn't hate to lose, and I think he took the USC game personally. And I think he's the guy, and I, I say this as maybe I'm just projecting because I think I'm this way. If somebody on the other team is talking smack at me, that is the best way to make me focus and make 
aggressive but smart basketball decisions. Maybe it, it's hopefully that's what gets him. I mean, if that's what it takes to get him going like that, like, I don't know. And just again, whether you want to blame Jack Murphy, who knows? It might have been one of Sean Miller's play calls. We, you know, I'm sure they t- he texted it into Murphy. <laughs> Do we see Shumway in the bag with like the nose and the glasses and the mustache? Bob, pull like, Bobby Valentine. Yeah, right. <laughs> you <laughs> don't want to go the full Bobby Valentine. I bet not even 1% of our listeners know that reference. (laughs) But we do, and that's what matters. But that's just to me, though, is, again, just a situation, another instance where Arizona had a chance. Well, never mind the fact they should not have been needing to make a shot to tie the game. They were winning. They had the game not locked up, but not even in control, but they had the advantage late. And they did enough things, another calamity of errors, to put themselves in a position where, I guess, another error happened where you dribbled off your foot. And that's just, that's been the theme. And it's been Nico at times. It's been Najee. It's been Josh Green. It was Max Hazard's Bill and Dylan Smith. Can right? It's been, ev- it's been Stone Gettings missing shots. It's been everybody. So I want to bookend this with what we opened this conversation of the recaps of the two games. Because coming out in the USC game, like I said, for those first four minutes, I feel like they were executing a game plan. They were they were doing the things we were asking for that I would expect a good coach to be making adjustments in terms of play calls and defense, et cetera. And then the challenge I think with this team is as soon as they get, you know, they they take a punch from somebody or get somebody pu- pushes them off their spot, they struggle to adjust. And I realized when I was watching that too, uh, both games actually, I think teams have figured out that just a light full court press throws this team off balance slightly and that that and it, they don't react to pressure well and that's showing you up think? In those, well but oh, you're, not, you're just talking about actually ball pressure I, not just actual pressure pressure when it's close game and I you mean, need to yeah all I'm kinds talking, of pressure yes all of the above but <laughs> you know because it doesn't take much to make us just a little bit off balance and somebody that's an ostensibly good shooter being slightly off balance is going to go from a 40 percent shooter to a 20 percent shooter right and if you're allowing somebody to dictate how – if you're – like, it goes back to the thing where I've said, you know, if you're always moving away from the basket rather than going towards the basket. If you're getting pushed off your spot, the Al Pacino in uh, in the – what was the mo- the Oliver Stone football movie? Any, Any given, given Sunday, Sunday. You know, the six inches in front of your face. I don't think this team has – Nice reference. I think this team needs that speech. I like that movie. Um, this team needs a Willie Beeman. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I don't know if that Willie, actually makes Willie, any sense. I guess someone who's flashy and confident, I guess, sure, they could use that. But Will, I just wanted to make a Steam and Willie Beeman joke. Like reference. Will, Willie all. Beeman, the, in alternative universe, best case scenario of Khalil Tate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Khalil Tate might be playing for a team named the Sharks next year. We don't know. You know, you don't know. Um, <laughs> so, and that's, because that was another thing that also stood out in watching both games. And I've kind of noticed that. And it makes me wonder why we don't do – it kind of goes against our pack line defense mentality that Sean Miller has. But, like, you can see that, and I think that's what makes our offense – you know, I've said that we're not aggressive enough and people extend pressure and we get thrown off and then we're waiting to the last five seconds like, oh, crap, we can't get the ball to Zeke <laughs> Naji. And it's – I think it's because people realize we they get us just ever so slightly on our heels, and that's a lot of times the, the, the difference between uh, winning and losing, that tiny, slim margin. You've played at a higher level of basketball than I have. Not I assume. <laughs> How these are players, and I wrote a thing for AZ Desert Swarm this week. Uh, I decided to go with the sprinkles are for winners theme somewhat, but I also began it with Sean Miller talking about how this recruiting class, these freshmen, were all winners. They came from winning programs. They've won big at other times. We've talked about that before, and yet they're so easily thrown off. 
Like you have to think Nico Mannion's faced pressure in a game. Zeke Nagy's faced pressure. Josh Green. Really, most of the guys in this roster, they were all most of them were high level high school players. Mm-hmm. They've been there before, and some of these guys have played in pretty pressure games with Arizona or at the college level. Max Hazard's played in tournament games. He should know how to handle the basketball with the la- in the last 40 seconds of a game, a close game. So if it's that easy to throw them off, then this team is doomed. Okay. Right? How do they have 19 wins at this point if it's that easy to get them off their game? Because that's not a talent thing. That's a just slightly more aggressive than normal thing. And if you do that, you can bully the Wildcats. That, then they're done. If that's if that's all it takes, then I don't know how they even got to 19 wins. Maybe Sean Miller is a miracle worker. The mentality is is what's dictating the game in yeah. that in that sense. And that and that leads back to I was saying I wanted to zoom in on a couple of plays because the other example I wanted to zoom in on was the Dylan Smith one where he stepped on the baseline. If he was taking, he was driving baseline underneath the basket, right? He and, had no sense of what he wanted to do. There, he was just dribbling to dribble. It looked like and well, and he wasn't dribbling. He was dribbling to try to get through to the other side, and oh, oh my God, I got to pass this ball out. <laughs> yeah. He if, had no interest in shooting. And the that's ball why out. he went too deep and stepped out of bounds. And he was not, he was not forcing the defender to react. He was allowing the defender, without even contacting him, to dictate to dictate yeah. where he was going. If he takes, you know, a three degree angle more to the hoop, like you know, I'm going to take this ball and hopefully try to score. And if I can't, I'm going to, then I'll, I'll go through the most likely outcome. There is a foul on UCLA. Actually in this game, maybe not. Well, I know what you're saying, but that's, that is a perfect microcosm of those little plays of that passivity instead of an aggressiveness. But that's been the case all season. Arizona's three and seven in games decided by two possessions or less this season, three and seven. And we've, the issues we saw against UCLA, We've seen over and over different players, different opponents, but same problems. And you look at it, Arizona's now 19 and 10. Great. Like, they're not going to win the Pac-12. We knew that when they lost to Oregon, but this solidifies they're not going to win the Pac-12. They're still 10th in net, which is ridiculous. I think we went up after the UCLA loss. I mean, God bless the net rating system. We'll see what it means on Selection Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> should we should rename it the not rating system. Um, Arizona is now unranked into the AP Top 25 for the second consecutive week for the first time all season, which just goes to show the roller coaster. Yeah. Like, they've been in, they've been out, they've been in, they've been out. I don't know if they would have beat UCLA. If they would have been in, maybe. Wouldn't have shocked me. If they win, they would have gone down. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> At least in net rating. Uh, they're number 17 in Ken Palm. So, it's... It's still the case, and this is why I have a hard time being totally upset over what happened last week because it doesn't matter. It would have been nice to see them. Like The fact that Nico had a good game gives you hope that he could have more, right? He had a good yeah. game. You see, like, oh, maybe that could happen. And if he does play like that the rest of the way, if all of a sudden the light has come on or he's woken up or they found the formula, whatever it is, this team's ceiling just got a little bit higher because then you add Josh Green to that. It's like, oh, hey, now you have a pretty good team that's going to be very dangerous with an elite level, a high-level point guard. Of course, he was also the same player that laid an egg against USC. So for as bad as the team was against USC, they were almost that good against UCLA, but yet it didn't result in a win because of the same patterns we've seen all season long. So for me, after that weekend, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like We saw things that, if you want reasons for optimism after the getting swept by the LA schools, you can find some, especially in that UCLA game. Absolutely. You can point to a few things and say, yeah, that, that was good, especially Nico. Like, that was a change. But I feel like at that point you're cherry-picking things because certainly when you get swept, not it wasn't enough good things. Right. 
And there were so many bad things against USC. Now, they're going to get Josh Green back probably this week, we'd have to think, and certainly by the time the postseason gets here. I, I'm i not any more down on this team than I was a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Like They're the same team with similar issues. But again, if you want to be optimistic, and this is the one thing that I'm going to have in mind that says, oh, maybe they have a better chance, is that Nico Mannion showed that he could play at this level. And one game does not a season make. He's not all of a sudden, yep, that's why he's a top 10 pick. That's why he's a lottery pick. It was one good game, and it wasn't good enough sure. to lift this team to a victory. But if he does play like that, Arizona will have a chance going forward. The especially with Josh Green. Especially with Josh Green. The problem is you can't expect that. Arizona now comes home to face the Washington schools. Washington State on Thursday, Washington on Saturday. Senior day is going to be before the Washington game now. Sean Miller announced, and he said it's, in order to just, it's a late game. It's got so many seniors, not just players, but staff guys. It just doesn't make any sense to do it at like 1130 at night. Fine. Also, it's a little awkward when you lose that senior day game like they did last year. I think it was the ASU. It's like, yeah, let's celebrate our seniors after they just lost to A. Like, I get that, too. It, it, it opens you up for a little bit of like, Oh, yeah, we'll celebrate ourselves after a loss. It could also open you up to too much emotionality before the game. Right, right. And I, I and it goes back to is that is that glass half full or is that glass half empty? Yeah. Or did if you you're glass half full, I don't know. I think you did. Maybe, maybe I had a mini stroke. I was going to say if you're an Arizona fan, you don't see that glass as half full or half empty. You just want to pick it up and throw it against the so wall. That glass is already shattered, probably. <laughs> Whatever you contents you, were in it have been leaking, would, spilling would, all over the floor. You adopt the persona of your coach, <laughs> scream at it, and chuck it against a brick wall. But, so we're going to talk, we'll talk about football because spring practice has started and also Arizona lost another coach. But just going into this last weekend of the regular season, the Washington schools, Arizona, their first road wins came against the Washington schools. It seems like forever ago. Like I, it was like a month and a half ago. One of our few close wins, too. Yeah, it was after the Washington. ASU loss. Yeah. They came when they went over to wa- up to Washington, beat the Huskies in a close game. Jamal Baker was the hero of that game. And then they just played one of their best games of the season against Washington State. Obviously... If they lose either of these games, it's like, come on. Like, maybe UCLA, they're playing really well and they're talented. Oregon, fine. Not the Washington schools. You have to win both of these games, but even if you do, it doesn't really change anything for the trajectory of your season, for your NCAA seeding or anything, probably. It just means you'll feel a little bit. It'd be nice to win a couple games again. You'll be a seven versus a six. Right. Like, it's not going to, you win these two games, even if they win these two games and win the Pac 12 tournament, they're not going to be any better than probably a five or a six. And even if they lose. One of these games, win a game in the Pac-12 tournament, probably not much worse than a seven. Yeah. Which, for this team, as we've talked about, they're they're certainly more talented than a seven, but they just haven't played that way. I, I forget what the scenarios were. If they if they win both games, there's a good chance to be number four in the conference, which will get them the first round bye <laughs> yeah. in the tournament. But I think, as we've been saying for a while, I think trying to predict how this team will react to things and, <laughs> uh, and whatnot is, you know, I... I, like I said, I was in Vegas for the USC game. Let's just say I would not feel comfortable betting on any game with that involves this team, because <laughs> I just you, you it was a it was a the the floor is the same, the ceiling's the same, and we <laughs> still don't know. And here we are in March. Yeah. And you know, these games at home you should win. These games have some of the best individual players in the Pac-12. So does that increase the inherent risk of losing these games? Yes. But you know, I think again, it de- depends on the manner and how they look. Like if they, if they look more like the team that plays played in the UCLA game, they're gonna win. They're gonna th- they will win. And if they lose because Ellerby goes off for sixty three points and he's hitting fadeaways with the hand in his face, okay, you know I'll take whatever. We're not supposed to win that day. 
you know, but if they come out with the the lack of fire and focus and just I don't you know that whatever you want to call it the leadership then then the, the, like the USC game then then there then then there's more of a risk than we probably want to maybe, admit of losing maybe the the way to approach these games when just trying to judge this team is looking for that maturity that I thought they showed against Oregon State when they won that game comfortably did everything they were supposed to do because they're not going to win the Pac-12 like that that ship has sailed it's impossible i think yeah. at this point no i i'm i'm not good at math but i'm pretty sure that the numbers don't add up for that so the next goals this team has what will not be accomplished in this in these games. What if we played Coloco fifty minutes a game? <laughs> that might well, help. Then our they probably just give Arizona the championship trophy, <laughs> all the championship trophies so, for so every conference, every league, everything. This. Sorry, listeners, if you haven't listened to the last couple of weeks, I'm doing a callback to Adam asking for <laughs> Coloco to play, play 50, fifty minutes a game in a forty-minute game. I think he's that good, but he also has understand Coloco minutes are a different, like rate than <laughs> your mere human minutes. What's the what's the exchange rate on those? <laughs> I like I said, I'm not good at math. I can't make. I don't know. Fifty over. Four, I don't. But for this for these games, Arizona's the better team. They've already beaten these teams twice. All that they have to do in front, all they have as motivation is to win these games. If that makes sense, like there's no there's no tournament or conference championship. There's no trophy on the line. You could argue seeding maybe, but that's a hypothetical. They don't know how much these games will impact that, if at all. But coming out just defending your home court, which they haven't been. They've been good at home, but they haven't been great. Certainly not been as great as they have been throughout the Sean Miller era. So to me, it's just a matter of, hey, come out and just take care of business. Mm-hmm. Like, it's your home court. Send your seniors out, your seniors and your freshmen who aren't coming back. Send them out of McHale on a high note. Let their last game be. And that's where, too, like these freshmen who they don't have the force. Like Dylan Smith, he did a press conference on Tuesday because he's been with the program for four years. There are guys who have been there for a few years now. A couple of guys like the grad transfers, Hazards, Gettings just for this season. But these freshmen, how much do they care? How much do they care about leaving that legacy at McHale Center? You don't want to go out a loser. You don't want your last game at McHale Center to be as a loser. Not, not loser as like as a loser, like, oh, you're a loser. But like on the losing end of the scoreboard. So that to me, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Is like, yeah. Do they just have that in them? Because you said maybe Nico played well against UCLA because he was angry. Maybe. I hope that's not the case. Otherwise, it's like the dodgeball scenario. It's like you got to play angry and all of a sudden you're a beast. Like he should have got angry a while ago if that's all it took. You know, find that and make him piss him off before every game because that was his best game. But if he continues to play at that high level and Josh Green comes out and can picks up where he left off, Najee just Najee's been great all season. I have no problem with him. But the guys come out and just take care of business, step up and play well. It's not going to make me feel like they have a better chance of winning the NCAA tournament or making a deep run, but I'll feel better about just this team doing what it was supposed to and finishing the regular season at home on a high note. That That's what I want to see. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fluff. It doesn't mean anything. It's not substantial in any way. But I would feel better, and I would like this team, if only for a little bit, again, to make me feel better. It's all about you, Adam. Yes. <laughs> in my world, it is. Well, in a, in a sheer numbers perspective and likely, I mean, long-term now means, you know, the next few weeks, outcomes of the, the of what this team is going to end up doing in March you know that there's there's only downside here because if you win these two games I don't think that necessarily sets you up for them to build off of to you know go on a tear but I think if you lose one or both of these games then the the bottom can fall out and it you know we don't let's let's just not entertain that notion well, also stay healthy right no actual sure. injuries <laughs> yeah and I think and I think there there is a I'm curious to see how they come out in that mentality because I think there's an opportunity for Sean Miller to say, 
to like, hey, everything that happened last week, him getting tossed, let's complain about the refs. Were they bad? Yeah. You know, and let's, there's enough, there's enough, even in the fan base, enough angst and the, even go, let's go back to the NCAA stuff and the New York Times article that was like no real Yeah, that infer- came in recently, nothing happened in it. There was, that was a lot of words to not really say anything. I clicked on that link and think I'm interested to hear what, or to read what they have to say, what's going on here. And there was nothing other than Sean Miller did not show up for an interview. Which is weird because also like how many months ago do you say I will not be doing like that any? Was, that was a December. Well, in December was the interview, but yeah, months like almost then, a year ago. Like, I was I'm like, not doing. I will not be commenting on this further, yeah. and it's not even my say. But like anyway, that was an article. No matter what you think of Arizona and Sean Miller going into it, you kept the same opinion. If you think a, they're a bunch a of cheaters and Sean Miller's dirty, then you still think that because you're like, oh, he's, he ducked the interview. He doesn't want to talk. He was a he ro- he's it was a Rorschach twist posing as a New York Times article. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that that happened. To fi- but to finish my my thought is that Sean Miller could take all of that context, and especially with a young team that maybe likes to win more than it hates to lose. You know, if we talked about in times manufacturing some intensity, manufacturing some offense, maybe he can manufacture that. It's hard to say this in a roster full of like five star recruits, right? Maybe manufacture an us against the world mentality to get that, <laughs> fo- but. It's not even necessarily manufacturing because there's like there's enough evidence there to be like yeah nobody's exactly I I going mean, that, out of their way to do us favors that didn't work two years ago very well I think so they were, I'm but I, not sure well, it'll I think, work this year I think that team was just ready to be done but <laughs> I worry that this team's getting that same level if they lose this w- this week I think that they might be at that but level. even if they win because even two years ago Arizona finished strong they won the Pac-12 with the DeAndre Ayton year they won the Pac-12 then they went and won the Pac-12 tournament remember we watched the championship game against USC and it was Ayton had that pass to Raleigh who dunked over some USC guy I forget who it was he murdered hopefully it was man. Benny Boatwright just because that would have been more fun if it was it probably wasn't but I, <laughs> a guy can dream right it might have been Bodie McBoatface <laughs> maybe <laughs> But at that moment, like, okay, this team, they're playing really hard. They're intense and us against their world, all the FBI stuff. They got the number one draft pick here. They got Alonso Tree as a junior, Raleigh. Like, this is a team they're ready, and they get got their asses kicked by Buffalo, which you could argue was just a bad matchup, but it happened. I think there was so, – it might have been a catharsis a little too early in that tournament, maybe, too. Maybe, maybe. But – so I don't know if I look at these games as anything for that purpose. Like, obviously, if they lose these games, it's like, it's like damn it, come on. You know, yeah. if they lose it, it's like, just, you're supposed to be better than that. Like, you're still going to make the tournament, barring them losing these two games, getting bounced in their first round of the or the Pac-12 tournament, and then having all these upsets happen in conferences that get the auto bids. Arizona's going to be in the tournament. They're not going to go from, like, a projected seventh seed to out of the tournament. But I just want to feel good about them again. Because it's been, and I know it's feeling, like, facts don't care about feelings, right? Like, just because I feel good doesn't mean they're going to be fine. But it's been a long time for this team where people thought there was like, yep, things are things are fine. Things are good. Let's smile and be excited for the next game. It's mostly been just dread or just nervous anticipation. And I know the tournament's always nervous anticipation. But if they can win these two games, go into the Pac-12 tournament, at least win one game, preferably on Thursday. <laughs> you know, I don't want them playing on Wednesday. But win a game, maybe two. We're not expecting them to win the Pac-12 tournament. Don't really care. But if they can win at least three more games the rest of this season, I'll say, preferably four, but at least three more games the rest of this season. Not counting March Madness. Not counting March Madness. Then at least you feel like, okay, there's, they've maybe rioted the ship a little bit. Because even up until this last week, and I guess the Oregon game, they'd, they'd won quite a few games. Just lost a couple, lost to UCLA and lost to ASU. Or to ASU and like that was only two losses in like their previous ten games or nine games. Like They'd played pretty well. Well, now they've lost three straight. 
they need to turn that around. Yeah, I, I agree with your general perspective on how the season goes. Like I said, I want to see how they play. Though I will, before we uh, move on, give one little hot take. I think if they lose one or both of these games, it will do more to impact Sean Miller's future than this team's success this season. Really? You think if they just finish poorly that... I think if they finish poorly and if it's... And not a springboard for if, March success. If it looks like he has lost the team after getting tossed and they're losing at home to inferior teams, I think I think that Hiki and everybody want... you know At some point, they need to make a decision on extend or don't extend. Um, well, if he loses the team, it doesn't matter because most of them are gone after the season anyway. Well, but they'll have a whole new roster. I think there are. I think there are certain forces in the athletic department or donor base or whoever that'll be like, "All right, now we, that something's broken." Just and just tired of it all, right? Like ready to just wipe the slate clean and move on. I'm not there yet with Sean Merrill just because I. Just, I'm not saying I would I know, advocate I know, it. I'm just saying I think it would. It Im- makes it easier to lean that direction. Sure. The likelihood of that being an outcome shoots up considerably well, based on pure just if you go reading the tea leaves. If you go the last couple of years since the FBI stuff came out, since the Book Richardson stuff came out, you had Arizona having an underachieving season with what ended up being the number one pick in the draft, getting bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament, like not even just bounced, like they got hammered in that game. The next season, the recruiting class was not great. Arizona missed the tournament. Mm-hmm. And if the season after that is you have all these high expectations, top-level recruits, and you get don't even get out of the first weekend of March Madness, sure. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier to say, why would you keep this guy? I'm not there, and I know you're not there, and I'm not saying you are, but there needs to be, like we talked about it last week, where it's like the trajectory of Sean Miller with the program, it needs to start going up again. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to even say it's been stale and stagnated, be- stagnant because... It's almost been down a little bit. And this season's better than last season. But compared to two years ago, it's at best the same. Underachieving with superior talent. Let's see what they do in March Madness. Because they're, they're a Sweet 16 run on an Elite 8 run away from people saying, hey, yeah, okay. I was going to say three weeks from now, like I could see an equal likelihood, the probability of all possible outcomes, Sean Miller getting fired and Arizona making a Final Four are What's probably the about your the, same perc- book, right? are probably or, the same percentage. Yeah. And like... And that's, you know, just how that's the spot we're in right now. Okay, so now for some good news. Arizona football spring practice started, and Arizona did it without Demetrius Martin. He left for Colorado. I thought we couldn't lose anything in Arizona football <laughs> yet. <laughs> Not, well, and was it Bryson Kane decided to quit football? They lost Springs. Yep. Jamari Joyner's in a walking boot. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I'm excited, are you? Actually, I am because Arizona's wearing the throwback helmets, the Desert Swarm helmets in practice. It's oh. like, ooh, what are you, tra- are you trying to tell us something? Is it that you are going to wear them continuously or you just can't afford to buy new helmets? Which is it, Arizona? I need to know. Also, if you can't afford to buy new helmets, use those helmets. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out better for all people. Except Arizona, who went 0-2 in those helmets last season. Yeah, totally. But they looked better doing it. Yeah, I mean... And that's what helps with recruiting, Adam. <laughs> but so they started spring practice. You're obviously, really low expectations for this program, for this team. With Kevin Sullivan, most people expecting him to get fired. And granted, this early on, the only news that comes out is bad news because even the good news has to be tempered with it's spring. Right? How much last year did we hear about, oh, the defensive line depth is better, the defense depth is better, this, down, the other, and then they were bad. So, yeah, Grant Cannell was running with the ones. That's expected. And to me, he's actually 
I know the deer. I think the deers will get better with Paul Rhodes and just there's some talent there. They they can't get any worse. They should take at least a half a step forward. <laughs> to me, if Grant Gannell is in the top half of Pac-12 quarterbacks, this offense is going to be very good. And if this offense is very good with a defense that's closer to mediocre than it was last season, then Arizona will be better than people think. That doesn't mean they're going to get to eight wins, but it means they'll be competitive, more competitive than they were in a lot of games last season. I, I agree, and we've talked about this in the past. I think... Don't give away the fact that we have nothing new to talk about. What <sighs> are you doing? Yes, I'm rehashing an episode from like five weeks ago. If they haven't listened, it's new to them. Not anymore. Now they're going to go back and listen. Let's let's be real. They're probably listening at work at 1.5 speed and half paying attention. <laughs> so, we, we love you, listeners. <laughs> Actually, you know, we love you, <laughs> listeners. There you go. The ones are going fast. I personally look forward to going back and putting that at half speed and see just how that <laughs> sounded. Um, I see it on the, the <laughs> recording app. I'm like, oh, that looks awful. <laughs> it probably sounded awful. Too. <laughs> Don't doubt uh, it. Um, no, I mean, we. I th- there is a like, like people mock they trust the process, but it, I I personally, and this is just my personal opinion, I feel like I can see what the plan is and what was a what they were doing with their hires, what they were doing with their targets and recruiting. Did they get did they get the hires they wanted? Did they get all the recruits they wanted? Not necessarily, but I think they planned for that probability. I think there is an intriguing amount of talent that is probably undervalued, especially on the offensive side with the young receivers that are coming back. And there's a lot of intriguing guys that were just super young last year at the receiver spot. The running backs are great. The quarterback in in part-time duty looked fantastic for a true freshman. And now the offense is his, and by all accounts, he knows the offense better than the guy he's replacing. And, you know, people are talking about the JUCO tight end, Stacey Marshall, passing the eye test and looking just good overall. So he's the first one off the bus after Coloco. Yeah, just always send Christian Coloco. Or maybe that, honestly, that New Mexico, is it New Mexico or New Mexico State transfer? Oh, Blackwell? Yeah. Just show the video of him squatting 680 (laughs) with his, like, angry like gnome beard it's a good thing no other program in the country has strong players otherwise <laughs> that wouldn't like wouldn't <laughs> intimidate them at all to be fair aside from washington and usc and maybe utah there's not that many super strong great defensive linemen. they're all in the sec <laughs> in the pac-12 it's a small fast-paced but, conference like this is the time for every program in the country to be optimistic right it's spring football the, everybody from last season took a step forward, all the young guys. All the veterans have ironed out their wrinkles in their games and they're focused. Like, that's how it is. And Arizona, of course, I don't I don't mind them flying under the radar. Of course, I'd rather have a team that has high expectations because it means they're probably pretty good. Hand him the Heisman. Yeah, that didn't go so well. They probably shouldn't. He'd have to give it back to the winner, whichever Heisman it was. I forget. Two years ago, it was Kyler Murray. Yeah. Yeah. He can just drive up the street and say, hey, good job. But I, I'm interested in this season, one, because I'm always interested in Arizona football. It doesn't matter how bad they are, I'm going to watch because I'm a masochist. We all are in our own ways. We're Arizona fans. But there are certain aspects where if it works out, and I like Gunnell, actually. I'm excited to see him be the quarterback because if they can protect him, as you said, Brett, the receiving group is very, very intriguing. There's talent. Of course, Jamari Joyner being in a walking boot to start spring practice doesn't make you feel better. But assuming he's ready to go for the regular season, he'll be good because he took ste- huge steps forward last season. And the running backs look good, too. So 
it's hard to be to be that excited over because it's a similar situation where they had last season, and they didn't go so well. They won four games, but there is talent on this team. There are reasons to look and say, hmm, they might be better than people think. They have to prove it. Yep. But there's enough new faces who are not the ones, the faces of last season's four-win team. Guys will be in bigger roles than they were last. So you can say, maybe they can be the difference makers. So it's football. This is the time. It's like, it's like how Cubs fans used to be every spring training, right? Like, this is the year. I'm not saying this is the year for Arizona to be a Rose Bowl contender because, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. They're not going to the Rose Bowl this season. But there is a possibility that they will be better than most people think. Which would be nice because I just want to be happy with Arizona again. Again, it's all about you, Adam. Yes. I've never <laughs> said anything to the contrary. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the, f- the first and most fundamental thing I want to see out of spring, you know, like you're right, spring football, everybody is optimistic. Hope springs eternal in spring football, right? Uh, yes. I just gave you a title for your spring football column, maybe. I'm not going to write that. All right. Well, then don't. You can't <laughs> tell me what to write, Brett. Okay. You can only just give me ideas throughout the course of the show, and I just don't tell you. I just write them under my byline. Fair enough. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Hashtag journalism. <laughs> uh, the thing I w- most want to see is, not like, was it six, seven years ago, we had like five torn ACLs and non-contract contact drills. Yeah. I want to I come out of it healthy. I want to – I'm more hoping, and it's something that you won't see until the fall – if they're making good progress on getting a new scheme on the defensive side in place, because I think... Well, I'm sure everyone's going to pick it up very fast. That's going to be the stories you hear. Uh, yeah. Great energy and enthusiasm, and everyone's picking up the defense really Also, quickly. we're seeing the results of the strength and conditioning program. Yeah, guys with the 3-4 are in the right positions now. They're meant to be outside linebackers, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like every signing day, everyone else cheats, and we have a lot of <laughs> underrated guys. Do you put much into them losing Martin? Like, the timing isn't great. Obviously, Colorado hired their new coach late in the process because Michigan State hired theirs late in the process. He was known as one of their better recruiters. The, de- the, s- the cornerbacks weren't exactly great. Did, did you see the Schooler family uh, tweet? I saw that, yeah. So I, It sounds like one of those things after the fact, maybe that people don't like him as a coach as much as they like him as a recruiter. Um, so it's impossible for us as outsiders to know, right? Um We'll we'll see. But the only thing like the only thing that gives me pause, like when they lost to Marco Murray, it's like, well yeah, he went to Oklahoma, his alma mater, got a huge pay raise, he's on a much better program. And Martin, they got a good hire, I think, after the fact. Yeah. But Martin basically made a lateral move to Colorado who is not a better program than Arizona necessarily. No, but does and he leave if Mel Tucker doesn't leave after telling everybody he wasn't leaving? And then they oh, probably not. The whole no, staff. he wasn't going to leave unless that job opened and up for him. It's, but, a, it's a more complex context, too. But that's the one, though, if there's people, like, if you think Kevin Summers going to get fired, if you're one of the assistants, you try to find another job with better security, right? Like, you couldn't make that case for the DeMarco Murray loss. Because, like, yeah, why wouldn't he leave for that job? Whether someone was going to get fired or not, you leave for the Oklahoma job. Leaving for Colorado kind of has that hint of not necessarily a better, better job, but a better situation. Can I can I reframe that in yes. a to play devil's advocate? He was the only defensive coach retained from the entire staff. I think he was already looking because it was the only reason I'm still here is because I'm a good recruiter. I should maybe be figuring out where my next landing spot is, even if I don't. But Colorado, I bet. Well, 
I guarantee you they threw more money at him than he was making now. I hope so. Especially after they lost their staff right before spring football, and they suddenly have to, you know, nothing makes you spend money like being in a panic. But but it, it's not a great look for Arizona on the coaching no. staff. And maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's just like they offered him a ton more money, and the timing is not Arizona's fault. That's on Colorado because it's on Michigan State and whatever. But he left. And now Arizona, whose defensive coaches will be entirely different next season. They have to find another coach. And I think he did well with the running backs coach. And I think someone did well with the defensive staff so far. But now it's like, you've talked about this before. There are certain positions where you feel like you get away with just guys who are more recruiters than they are X's and O's technical coaches. Mm -hmm. I imagine this spot, the cornerbacks, I mean, I'd like to have both. But it's probably more of a recruiter type of area. I think if you go back to that very pod, I said corners and running back were the yeah. two spots that I want to have the young up-and-comer so rec- recruiter let's ace. Let's see who Kevin Summer can land at this point in the season, right? Is it someone who has a job right now? Because then this this cycle continues where some other team's going to have to – program's going to have to find their coach. It's just not that I would care. Like, sorry, other team, other program, but Arizona gets their guy. But it's just I'm I'm really curious because – with every hire someone has made, there's always been that, huh, why would they join his staff if he might not last the next six games? So what can he do? What can he do in this situation and grab a cornerbacks coach or a secondary coach or maybe Paul Rhodes will do more for the corners now because he has experience there and they'll hire another linebackers coach. Like We don't know where they're going to go, but it's just another decision they have to make for Arizona football who goes in with so many question marks this season, a coaching staff that has so many question marks, goes in this season now in the spring ball with another one. It's not just about the players, it's about the coaching staff, which we were hoping wouldn't be the case. No one was expecting to be the case. To be the case. Well, I think someone said they knew over the weekend they had a, their contingency plans. They have to have lists of guys. He had to know a little bit. If they don't, they're bad at their job. Which some might argue they are. Fair. So that that's what I'm interested to see. Just what are they going to do with this? Because the timing is, it's like when someone was hired, the timing wasn't great because a lot of staffs are filled out. Well, at this point, I don't know how many staffs have vacancies, Arizona and who else now? Probably not many. Well, the other the other thing, too, is not just is he the only holdover. That means he's also not uh, the new defensive coordinator's guy, right? Oh, Rhodes may have guys out there. And so, and if his coaching philosophy doesn't align with Rhodes's, maybe it's it's doomed to fail but I, I you know we don't know the timing looks worse than perhaps the actual move will be and the the time loss will be right and if you make a good hire no one will give a damn in a month about you know the timing right they lost coach meat yeah so you know it'll be like well not it wasn't like the i mean they recruited some decent young talent at the corner spot and the funny thing is whoever takes that spot is going to inherit that and maybe be able to like get too much credit for it but Meat was known more as a recruiter than a developer of talent. So somebody gets a talent there, and if you get a younger guy that's still a good recruiter but maybe has a little more technical skills, or even Rhodes himself has a lot of secondary coaching, I think that's – the real question is also, are you going to get another linebacker's coach? Are you going to have right. Rhodes coach the secondary as well? Or do you do some weird hybrid thing where maybe Rhodes coaches the middle linebackers I and the wonder- safeties and then have a corner coach because that's a completely different – there's a lot of intrigue to how they go with the hire. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it might be just what they can get, right? <laughs> Maybe they have a higher on their list of coaches. There's a linebackers coach higher up than a cornerbacks coach. So you just take the linebackers coach, and but just over the last couple of months, they lost arguably their two best recruiters 
in DeMarco Murray and Meat, Coach Meat. So does it mean that? I mean, they weren't exactly recruiting at this crazy level where it's like, oh, God, now what's going to happen? Like, oh, no, Arizona's going to get recruiting classes in the high 50s, low 60s, whatever will they do? Like, my gosh, man, our defense might get worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's it's hard to be just like distraught over, but it's just like the timing doesn't look great. But to your point, a month from now, if they get a good hire, six months from now, if Arizona's in the like beginning of their season, like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good at in these positions. No one's going to care that they lost Demetrius Martin. Just at this exact moment when you're starting spring football, when everything's supposed to be about optimism, to lose a coach is not a great first step. That's all. Yeah, and it probably makes it more of a challenge for the defensive staff to be going through the drills they want to in spring practice. But, you know, of the th- of the curveballs you can be thrown, like, you know, if they do an equivalent of – I forget, I'm blanking on the running backs h- coach hire. Like, if they get somebody like that uh, and bring – I want to say Sawell or something like that, but I don't – I should know this. And, and, you know, one could – like, the BYU people were disappointed to lose him, right? Uh, and they're like, oh, why are you doing a lateral move from BYU to Arizona? Uh, A.J. Stewart, I was – Somewhat close. <laughs> it started with an S, though. Samsonite. Had a W. <laughs> nice, nice reference. We're we're getting the pop culture references in. Yeah, we're it. killing it. Are we? No. <laughs> we should probably end this thing pretty soon. But so that's where they're at. Arizona football spring practice is ongoing. Basketball has a couple of home games against teams they should beat and probably need to beat for anyone to feel pretty good about them. Anything else from you? Do you feel any other closing thoughts? No, I mean, I'm I'm actually more optimistic on spring football. As long as we see health and maybe some intriguing trickling out of, you know, people showing up pretty well and focused. I, I think one intriguing Brett, thing... Brett, I'm going to tell you, everyone shows up looking good and focused. Well, let me let me, let me me reframe it. Just I'm just going to let you know now. I've okay. seen in the future. Okay. Except for the guys that after spring, are, we may have some voluntary departures from the team that are less than voluntary. Sure. As happens. And I'm intrigued to see who reacts well and who doesn't react well to the new coaching staff and what we can get. Because there's still time after spring is where... It's going to be grad transfers. That's where the grad transfer route is probably going to come to play. Uh, And I think, like, there was a top... In his class, like a top 100 safety that just entered the transfer portal that that's not going to be an easy get. But I think he was... There will be talent He was He was recruited by someone initially at A&M. And, like, there's maybe... It's maybe it's a puncher's chance, but like, hey, you gotta shoot your shot. So if you're a grad chance, you figure just one season, well, someone's still the coach. <laughs> so <laughs> that connection may be worth something. What'd you say? That may connection may be worth someone? <laughs> no, I, I didn't say that. I if I wanted to, we I need would a, have we need, a, we need to cut this thing <laughs> we're going <laughs> well, down. That, that's staying in. Oh, fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Time to be hitting the old dusty trail. <laughs> Hopefully, Arizona, next week we're talking about a couple of home wins and a spring practice where everyone came in in shape and focused. And we don't lose another coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until then, like, thank you for listening. And bear down. Bear down.